I'm here with Lee Gatiss, Director of Church Society. Hello. Paul Darlington, Chairman of Church Society Council, Vicar of Holy Trinity, Oswestry, Rural Dean of Oswestry. Uh, do you have any other uh, credentials titles, that I should be um, uh, telling our listeners about? He's a trustee of the Fellowship of Word and Spirit as well. He's a trustee of the Fellowship of Word and Spirit, and you're on the council for the... Fellowship. I'm also a trustee of the Fellowship of Word and Spirit. There and go. I'm on the Council of Affinity. Appropriately, we are here at the Joint Fellowship of Word and Spirit Church Society Conference, which uh, I'm certainly Hooray. enjoying very much. I hope we're all uh, enjoying it. It's okay. Um, so I just thought it would be interesting for our listeners to get a bit more of a sense of what church society is, what we do, what, we, what we're aiming to do, and, and some of the, the kind of uh, maybe misconceptions that, that people have or some of the common questions people have uh, for church society. Mm. Uh, and maybe just to, to kind of hear from the... Um, I mean, I was going to say horse's mouth, but maybe you know what Thanks. I mean. Um, <laughs> a bit about that. So um, I guess something uh, that people might... Uh, throw at us is is that uh, just that general idea of do we really have a strategy we we I think people understand or you know many people understand that at church society we're, we're very uh, concerned to contend for evangelical ministry within the Church of England and to support and encourage that uh, yes. as far as we possibly can are we just burying our heads in the sand about some of the things that, that are happening in the church <clears throat> and, and and do we have any real strategy for trying to contend for uh, evangelicalism within the church of england that's Lee, brilliant. i mean start? that's exactly what we're here for isn't it we we exist to strengthen local churches in biblical faith in a full old full biblical faith not a single issue but a full biblical faith to strengthen churches in that and then by doing that to, to help shape the Church of England, both now and for the future. So anything which will shape the Church of England in a more biblical, positive direction, um, like our Junior Anglican Evangelical Conference, thinking about future ordinands, future curates, training, that kind of thing, will be will fit right into that, into our strategy. So, great. yeah, that's what we're about. And Paul is someone who is an incumbent. How does mm. the work of Church Society help you contend uh, for uh, biblical faith in your um, sort of day job rather than as your, in your role as Church Society Chair of the Council? Uh, well, I guess out in rural Shropshire, uh, you can feel a little bit far from um, others. And the fellowship, if you like, of Church Society uh, means that I know there are other folk around who are having the same challenges and difficulties in parish ministry, uh, many of whom are not quite as networked as lots of others, so people labouring away in parishes that we'll, we will never have heard of. Yeah. Um, and to have a connection with them uh, through the mm -hmm. society and therefore the materials that the society produces for folk like them uh, has been great yeah. for me. So one of the things, I mean, you've written for us a booklet on how you would go and do mm. evangelical ministry in a parish mm. that's not been traditionally evangelical, and that's the kind of place where actually mm. we do see people genuinely having to contend for the faith with a congregation, maybe even with a PCC or church wardens who, who perhaps are not are on the same page as them, um, but actually needing, therefore, support from uh, a network outside of their immediate situation i mean i wrote that well best part of a decade ago 
Um, and there's been a lot of water under the bridge from then. And Lee, you keep trying to get me to write an update, don't mm. you? Which yes. I may get round to eventually. Yeah. Um, or we could do an updated Ros on the radio talk with you about how to do that. So that would be good. We, we mm. could do an episode on that, maybe. Um, <laughs> we, we, it's not called Ros on the radio, Oh, I Lee. know, but I like that name. <laughs> Sorry, the Church Society podcast. There you go. There you go. Okay, so um, we, we want to try and do lots of things that do encourage and, and help people to continue. You talked, Lee, mm. about sort of a, a different levels. So we try and do things that encourage people who are working in parishes at the coalface. Yes. What about at the sort of more national level? How do we help mm. um, uh, try and maintain or encourage or grow evangelical uh, Anglicanism at, at sort of a broader level? So our, 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 main, you know, our aim is to strengthen local churches in biblical faith. And that's where our shaping of the Church of England now and for the future begins in local churches. Our patronage, for example, is to get the right people into the right churches at the right time in order to um, shape those local churches. That being said, there will be things at a national church institution level where we will also want to be engaging. So in order to shape the Church of England as a national institution, we'll need to be involved at the level of episcopacy, and of synods and councils. Um, and we want to do that throughout the organisation. Because if we want to um, reform an Episcopal church, we, we need bishops. And so we, we will lobby to get people onto the strategic development leadership uh, programme um, and give some names for that. Every time there's a suffragan bishopric where I think it might be even vaguely possible, I will write to the bishop and suggest three or four names from... Um, a conservative evangelical constituency who I know were, are competent, capable, and credible bishops. Yeah. We haven't had many of those uh, pointed yet, but they're in the pipeline. Yes. And we have to keep saying that to kind of keep the National Church Institution's feet to the fire, as it were, because mm. they promised that we will have an honoured place and there will be mutual flourishing. Yeah. If that's to be credible as a claim... Well, what it means for us is we would like to see more conservative evangelical bishops than yes. just Rod Thomas, who's an unusual um, situation. And we would like to see more good people on Synod. Um, mm. There are by-elections coming up in Synod for certain places, for example. Mm. And I'm talking to people behind the scenes to make sure that hopefully good evangelical people will stand for those vacancies. Great. But that's only part of what we do. You know, that is part of the national shaping, yeah. but that begins at the local level as well. Brilliant. Did you have something to add to that, Paul? Yeah, I think, I think our work as patrons of parishes um, adds to that because there are all sorts of kinds of parishes that we have to uh, work with in seeking new appointments. And just generally at a reputational level, the way that we handle ourselves in those appointment processes... Um, shows that we're serious about the Church of England, that we're serious about the gospel, uh, and that we are here and committed to local parishes, and they will experience that from us mm. uh, in almost every mm. diocese. Mm. And I guess um, taking on a role like Rural Dean, again, is a way of saying we want to be committed to the expressions of the Church of England. And, you know, I guess it's, sometimes it feels like it takes away from the focus on your parish and as evangelicals I think sometimes we've been so focused on the local parish we've not been willing to give any time or, or commitment or energy to to other structures but yes. actually 
you know, if we, as you say, if we're serious about reforming the Church of England, we, we need to be engaged with it at those sorts of levels as well. Well, I'm only 23 days in <laughs> to being rural dean. Um, but I can, always, I can already see advantages mm. in the deanery um, in terms of where evangelistic opportunities, discipleship opportunities uh, are, and um, how to to maximise those. Yeah. Something we've been uh, hearing a bit about the conference is how one of the sort of natural outworkings of mission and, and of people becoming Christians is transformation of the culture. And, mm. and I think, actually, and we've, we've sort of said this quite often at Church Society, culture eats strategy for breakfast. Mm. And there's <laughs> a sense in which what we're trying to do with the Church of England is transform the culture. Mm. And, and actually, by being there, and as you say, the sort of reputational th stuff that goes with that and the, yes. the way that we... Um, live out the gospel uh, as part of the Church of England is going to be transformative at least as much as and maybe more effectively than any kind of strategic plan that, that we might cobble together. I mean, our, our, our culture as evangelicals in the Church of England the last 30, 40 years, I guess, has taken on lots of the stuff from the surrounding culture about anti-authority, authority, mm -hmm. anti-institutions. We're more about freedom, doing our own thing. Um, and so we have to fight that in our own psyche as well. I often say that nothing happens without energetic individuals, but nothing lasts without solid institutions. And it, I mean, Did that's, you make that up? Well, I, I think know. that's I an think original gaiticism. It's a gaiticism. Yeah, uh, really. yeah, yeah, maybe. Um, Quite good. <laughs> <laughs> it's worth my stipend. Um, yes, yeah, so, but that, that is something that we need to take seriously, that... We often think, you know, we've got lots of energetic individuals in our evangelical constituency. We need to be better at building evangelical institutions um, in terms of our own organisations, our own approaches to things that will last, built on good foundations. And we need to make sure that we are able to transform the institutions that we're already in so that they're more evangelical and solid to pass on the gospel afresh to the next generation. Great. Well, so you talk about the next generation. So here's a, a, um, something I've heard one or two people say about church society, and I, I wonder what your thoughts are, that we are too focused on the past and not enough on the contemporary issues of the day. Is this people who've actually looked at any of our output? I couldn't possibly comment. Um, <laughs> I mean, some of our output... It does does look quite old fashioned. We have books with J C Ryle on the yes. cover, don't yes. we? Um, and um, uh, I'm struggling to. Think yes, what well, else I can't we think have. anything else. But yes, we, I mean we produce we produce some stuff. Well, there's which a book looks... over there with John Owen on the cover. Yes, um, well that's just my personal book. But um, we we have produced some material to show an intellectual, historical, spiritual plausibility to the evangelical claim that we are the central line mainstream Church of England. Right. So we produce material that shows when we say the articles of religion, the 39 articles, are evangelical, we can say, well, yes, you can see that. We've plausibly demonstrated that in our material. We can show, looking at J.C. Ryle and George Whitfield um, and, and other people that we've talked about in some chapters, um, that evangelical history can be unashamedly Anglican. Yeah. 
At the same time, we've also produced a ton of material on um, baptisms, weddings and funerals today in the Church of England, how to make the most of those opportunities. Yeah. We, we had some great stuff on our blog um, on tiaras and tutus, in looking at the Church of England's recent pronouncements on transgender and advice for schools. We have stuff on is God a she? Is the Holy Spirit a she? Interacting with recent material in songs coming out of certain conferences and things. So we're interacting on the blog, on the website, in the podcast, in the videos, with recent stuff. And there is, yes, some also behind the scenes, a building of an intellectual plausibility structure for our wider claims about why we are authentically Anglican. But a, a huge ton of what we produce is much more contemporary, building on those foundations. Our strapline, after all, is building on the foundations. And we'd be fools to think that um, the problems that we face are brand new. Right. And so there's always going to be... We, uh, Christians always, generally, always ought to have an eye for the wisdom of the past yeah. um, for the sake of the present and the future. So uh, yeah, that's there's always going to be a bit of that. That's one of the things that's really refreshing, I find, about reading some of the, the sort of Ryle articles and other things that we have in our archives from the 19th century, is you realise, actually, we're not the first generation to go through a crisis in the Church of England. We're not the first to feel like we're a handful of evangelicals contending against a, an increasingly liberal or increasingly Catholic kind of church. And as you say, there's therefore a lot of wisdom to be gained from those who, who faced a similar situation in, in a previous generation. It's one of the evil desires of youth to think that we are the only ones left, that wisdom will die with us, that the word of God originated with us. Um, we're the first ones to read the Bible properly, you know, because um, we had these conferences or these ways or these books or whatever it is. Um, and that's just part of our culture yes. um, to think that, you know, we are the, we are the generation and wisdom mm. dies with us. And it's not true. And so no. there is stuff that we can learn if we're humble enough to to read it and, and, and learn from it in, and a, I think, in a positive way. I mean, one of my concerns always is to think about what are we doing to equip uh, lay people to be uh, more uh, faithful and, and able to understand and, and contend in the contemporary situation better. And yes. So I edit Crossway, which is our sort of mag quarterly magazine that goes out that's aimed really at the, the sort of interested lay person. And we... we often, I don't know always, but we often have a church history kind of article in that. In the past year, obviously, we've been looking at, at the Reformation. But also some practical things, some pastoral things, some Bible things, some doctrine things. But because in our churches we generally don't teach church history at all, most people, I find, have no sense of where we stand in the, the broad sweep of what God has been doing over the, two, the last 2,000 years. Well, that recent edition that you produced with William Tyndale on the front yeah. is a prime example of this. A brilliant resources in there for preparing to read the lesson, um, two or three articles by um, lay women in there as well, which are very useful, and something on William Tyndale, a dusty old dry person, mm. on how he translated the Bible into English to equip the laity yeah. to refute false teaching. Yes. And that is a challenge to our clergy and a spur and encouragement to our laity that they've got the Bible in their hands in order to refute the false teaching that's all around us. Yeah. Are we helping them to do that? Yeah, so exactly. So there's not just lessons to learn from us, but, but challenges, challenges and practical yeah. applications. Okay, let's move on to uh, another thing, which sometimes maybe people say about church society, is we don't, we're not nimble enough. We don't necessarily respond 
quickly enough to developments that are happening in the wider Church of England or in wider society. We're not sort of there on the same day with a, a sort of press release or a blog post or, um, yeah, that, that we're sort of quite slow to have our finger on the, the pulse. Again, I want to ask you, this people who've actually looked at some of our outputs, or, or <laughs> because it's clearly not true. I mean, um, I think of the things I've been involved with the last few years, speaking to the BBC about the women bishops issue a few years ago, um, and, and they got me to interact with um, Professor Dunn on the other side of the argument about women bishops. Um, Christian Today are often asking me for comment. I'm often quoted there. Um, we, have, so, we, actually, we have a regular sort of article that we submit to Church of England News every so often. Yeah, that's right. So I have a regular column in there every week, but we also, as a society, get something in there very regularly too, looking at, at some recent thing. We've interacted with recent, recent General Synod um, papers, GS2055. Um, Martin Davies done some brilliant stuff on agree to disagree and how we can't do that on the sexuality issue. We've had articles by Rod Thomas uh, and others. Um, great article by John Percival looking at the recent... Uh, advice to schools on transgender issues. I, I think we, we're not pundits reacting you know, every minute of every day to the latest developments. We want thoughtful engagement right. after we've had some time to think um, biblically, theologically, and helpfully to make positive contributions to the debate. So we, we are doing that and have done that. Even when we have to say difficult and negative things about those things coming out, which we have done a number of times, because you, you know, sometimes when you're contending for the faith, it isn't just positive. You yeah. have to say the negative, which yeah. goes back to the creed, of course, you know, begotten, not made. You have to yeah. say the positive and the negative always. Well, I mean, we, I don't think as church society, um, we, we I know, you know, I think it'd be weird for someone to, to sort of typify us as a society that thinks the Church of England in, in everything it says and does is wonderful in every respect. I, I don't think that's what any of us think. I no. think we think we need to reform the Church of England and, yes. and you know, contend for the faith within it. Um, and as you say, that does mean that, that we'll be willing to say negative things uh, about some of what we see uh, and hear that goes on. Shall we just pause for a moment while Wallace says hello to everyone? Wallace, you want to say hello to the podcast listeners? Oh, I didn't know. That. No, no. I just <laughs> podcast listeners. There's theological steam coming from this corner of the room. It's very productive from lovely people. God bless you. And Thank carry you, Wallace. On. Can I'm we going. have that in writing? Bye. No, no, we've got it on tape. <laughs> there we go. Um, okay, so would, yes. I mean, I think we're trying to be winsome in the output that we give. So if we're addressing the, the wider Church of England, we want to do that in a way which encourages a change of heart, in some cases, or encourages a persistence in a good direction, if that were the case. When we're producing materials, which are some of which are designed particularly for those who are in full accord with what we're trying to do, and we present things and say things appropriately to encourage our brothers and sisters who are labouring in the Church of England. Um, to me, it reflects the way the Lord Jesus treated people, that sometimes he gives them the stiffest rebuke and sometimes he gives them the warmest invitation. But he, he I don't know if he spent time working out in the way that we need to, whether it's a stiff rebuke or a warm invitation, but we need to be winsome before we make these press releases or publications or whatever it is. I think that's right, and I think there is a danger of being becoming too controlled by 
the media in whatever form that is about the kind of input output that we produce and when we mm. say things and what we talk about and actually as you say we need <coughs> to take time and think about what do we want to comment on what do we want to say mm. about it how do we want to say that you know what sort of theological and, and biblical and, and other arguments do we want to put forward to, to help people understand mm. where we're coming from and you can't always do that you know, in half an hour before the six o'clock news. And no. that doesn't mean we're not addressing those issues or, or wanting to, to speak out on them, but, but we want to do it in the, the most helpful way, particularly for those, like we said, who are, who are at the coalface, who are dealing with, you know, members of clergy just down the road from them who may be thinking completely different things or acting in ways that, you know, we, we need to think about how we deal with that in time. So, which kind of brings me on to my next question, which isn't so much uh, a kind of negative thing I've heard people say, but it, it's sort of moving on in a, a different way. How do we, how would we want to, to help people in those kind of situations, whether it's in their diocese or in their deanery or even within their own congregations, seeing people commending something other than the biblical gospel, whether that's by lifestyle or by doctrine or some combination or liturgy or whatever it is how, how what sort of steps could people take um to to distinguish uh gospel ministry in those kind of situations great question Rose. paul looks like he has an answer brewing in his are you head ask, are you asking about how we contend it yes okay so um <clears throat> presumably the main aim in all of our contending is that we and our hearers would repent and believe. Presumably that's the main aim. And it seems to me there's a huge spectrum, therefore, of how we might most help people to seize an opportunity to repent. Um, and it'd be a whole spectrum. I think Jude has a little bit on this at the end of his uh, letter where he talks about showing mercy, which isn't, where if you say, you know, how do you contend? Our first answer is not usually show mercy. Our first with answer a, is usually with a sword. Something like that, <laughs> something like that. Now, Jude says more than that. He, he also talks about uh, snatching people from the fire. He talks about having nothing to do with people. Um, but that, in the round, is, I think, how we contend. And we must pray for the wisdom that we lack in doing that well in order under God to elicit repentance as much as we're able. Great. Lee well, Paul says more say. about that in a talk, in the sermon or talk he gave at my institution service five years ago. Sorry, he, I thought you actually, meant Paul the Apostle. I'm like, well, <laughs> no, <that was> <laughs> goodness, that was amazing. Paul the Apostle had quite a lot to say about that subject, exactly. but I mean, uh, Paul Darlington here expounded that text in okay. Jude. Um, and it'd be good if, there's, if we've still got that we could audio, put we could put that. a link to that on the yes. website um, for people to think more carefully about that. I mean, it does say in, in, to join Church Society in the membership leaflet, you know, you have to be an actual communicant member of the Church of England. Um, you have to, to be confirmed or desirous of being confirmed, and you uphold the doctrine of the 39 articles and will contend for it. So that's actually built into who we are. You have to, to say that you'll contend for this faith. Mm. 
um, to be a member of church society. And, and there'll be a number of ways of contending. Like, and yeah. it will look different in different cir circumstances. Uh, we've often said that the Church of England isn't one single organisation anymore. It is, you know, 40-odd dioceses. Mm -hmm. And in each place, it will be different because there'll be some places where it's relatively easy to be a conservative evangelical, in Blackburn Diocese, in Chester Diocese, perhaps. Other dioceses where the diocesan bishop will not be so positive or so helpful. Um, with doing that. So contending may mean um, uh, interacting with false teachers to teach them the truth. It may mean avoiding charlatans in the church. So there's, there's 2 Timothy 2 and there's also 2 Timothy 3 with those different instructions to different kinds of people. It will mean things in terms of meals. Do not even eat with them. Uh, the Apostle John said, didn't he, about certain false teachers. So there are certain times when we cannot eat with people. We cannot take communion with certain people. Um, that will be difficult and will require conversations with them um, and conversations with others so they don't misunderstand why we're doing that. Also, in terms of ministry, what we, can we do mission with all of these people? No, because we don't share a gospel with everybody in our diocese. So there will be times when we'll have to say, I'm sorry, but although we may get on personally and you know that sort of thing, we can't do mission together. We, we can't do these diocesan events together because you and I are preaching completely different gospels. Um, and we have to have a, a distance there. And there will be times when to be faithful to Christ, we will have to do that and to disobey orders or um, expectations that are upon us. And, and even in those most awkward and most sharp moments of contending where we're, we're, we're having nothing to do with, um, the, the purpose and the aim of that remains that they might repent, that it would bring people to their senses. Um, and so often and so, it might be appropriate to do it with tears in our eyes, yeah. for example, yes. and, and help people to see that we know yeah. this is costly and difficult and we don't do it out of any sense of pride or arrogance or, you know, kind of wanting to exercise power. Or, or There's some hard things in Scripture be. about this. You know, Paul handed over certain people to Satan that they may learn not to blaspheme. Yes. And what does he mean by that? Let's, let's press on that part of scripture and see if we can understand what he means. But his intention was obviously that those people would repent mm. of their blasphemy um, and that what he was doing was somehow hoping to rehabilitate them by shocking them into, into repentance. Mm. Um, it wasn't just to write them off. And we don't write off anyone in the church because the Apostle Paul himself uh, was the chief of sinners who was, you know, breathing out murderous threats against God, God's people, and the Lord turned him around. And I have that hope and that prayer for many false teachers in the church today, though not in any naive way, um, we must still protect ourselves and our congregations from that dangerous false teacher. One last thing on this, Paul, and then I just want to move on. Well, just that I need prayer that I might love my enemies yeah. in all the disputes and trouble. Love your enemies, pray yeah. for those who persecute you. I yeah. think that yeah. there could be an awful lot more of that kind of prayer going on. And I, th I guess maybe yes. uh, that's something I'd want to say. If you're a particularly a lay person listening to this who thinks, well, I, I'm not making those kind of decisions about mm. who to be in communion with or fellowship with or whatever, you know, but actually that is a thing you can be doing, is praying for those in the Church of England who are opposed to the gospel 
Um, and that will be a very powerful thing to do. Just one final thing before we finish then. Um, people uh, who are Church Society members will have um, had a letter about this and others will know as well that there's been in, in recent months a, um, some conversations happening between Church Society and Reform and the Fellowship of the Word and Spirit about working together more closely perhaps. Are you able to say anything about uh, the nature of those conversations and, and where they're at and where that might be going. Well, before before we get to that, if Lee's got anything to say on that, um, we're currently at the Fellowship of Word and Spirit Conference, which historically was the Fellowship of Word and Spirit Conference. It's now joint with Church Society. And has and been for a number uh, of years. Several years. Yeah, yeah. Several yeah. years. Um, and the material that we've been engaging with uh, this week and in previous years... Um, is useful and productive material for any serious biblical Christian yeah. uh, in the Church of England and out. But it's a particular in encouragement to meet with a wider group of people who are on exactly the same page yeah. and seeking the same fruit in the Church of England. Yeah. And so... Uh, if that can be furthered, I'm all for that. Great. I'd love to see this as a conference that is the sort of natural progression from Jake, you know, when somebody, yes. mm. you know, kind of finishes their first cu their curacy and sort of moves on and, and is no longer really in that genius stage, for this to be the, the mm. sort of obvious conference yeah. that they then start coming to. Yeah, there's a very warm fellowship feeling about it, yeah. but engaging with good theology and trying to apply it to the on-the-ground situations that we're in, yeah. Yeah. Lee, is there anything else you can you can say about uh, the kind of conversations that are going on or not? Well, I was watching this morning, because um, somebody posted it on a, a group that I was looking at on Facebook, I was watching this morning Jonathan Fletcher's little video from the Reform website right. from a few years ago. And Jonathan uh, was always very encouraging on this, um, that, that we're here as evangelicals in the Church of England because it's a Reformed and a Protestant church, and that's why we bother with it, and that the, the principles of... Uh, prayer book worship, not necessarily the words and the language of the 16th century, but the principles of the biblical worship in the in the prayer book and the 39 articles are superb. Um, I think that was the word he used. Um, and he quotes the Queen's coronation oath that, that she's there to defend the Protestant reformed religion as by law established. And that's what church society also stands for. Um, and I, I was a member of reform before I was a member of church society. I joined reform as soon as it started. Um, and I joined FWS and Church Society as soon as I heard about them because I could see that they were on the same page wanting to promote that same thing to strengthen local churches in biblical faith and to shape the Church of England in that direction. So really, we are on the same page. Reform, uh, I'm on the Reform Council. We had a, a meeting recently to discuss you know, where we were going to go in future. And Reform, we're working what our um, particular aims and unique selling points were. And it, it seemed that there was really a convergence between what reform wants to do, promoting the gospel within the Church of England in accordance with the Reform Covenants and um, working all alongside all those who want to pioneer, establish and secure healthy local Anglican churches. Um, it seemed that we were coming together. That's exactly what church society is for. We've talked about this as a joint conference, the FWS one, but um, Renew is a joint conference because one of the first things I said when I joined the Reform Council was that we must do things together. Um, so we must be seen to do things together with our different organisations. So Renew has come into being as a joint church society 
Reform and AMIE conference. Now, AMIE is much more set up now, much more a going concern for doing those things outside the Church of England's um, immediate boundaries. With its own bishop now. With its own bishop and um, great blessings upon Andy and upon Lee McMahon and all those guys doing that brilliant, courageous Mm. work, often in places where there are no Christians or where the church-going population is less than 1%. May they be blessed and may their tribe increase. Meanwhile, there are those of us still in the Church of England, and we still have all those 130-odd patronage places. We want to see them secured for healthy local Anglican ministry in the future. So reform in terms of its inside the Church of England strategy, church society in terms of its foot inside the Church of England, uh, and that theology of FWS, we are moving more closely together. Are there not ways in which we can do that more structurally, soundly? Right. Again, nothing happens without energetic individuals. Nothing lasts without solid institutions. And church society has always been the institutional spine of conservative evangelicalism. And what a great story, isn't it? Because it looks like evangelicals are chopping themselves up into little salami pieces and leaving, deciding to leave ourselves. What a great story we would have for the wider church to say, no, actually... There are some who are going to leave and blessings upon them as they follow their consciences. Um, But we want to stay and we're coming together to unite, to stay and to fight. Great. To make it hard for the gospel to be denied and opposed in the modern Church of England. And we're here um, to fight for that. Great. to contend for it. Great. Together. So there are still conversations ongoing about how that, work, how that might actually work in practice and what, what that would look like if things happened at a sort of institutional level in, in terms of uniting and so on. Yeah. But the, the impetus to actually be a, a united voice for conservative evangelicals in the Church of England seems to be there from all three. Yeah. Yeah. We want to amplify our voice in the Church for the sake of shaping the Church of England and for the sake of our nation, for the glory of God, the good of England. And, I mean, all, we can't say much more about the details as we still work them out, but all I will say is that May the 12th, when we have our AGM. conference and yep. AGM, the Church Society Conference and AGM, May the 12th at Oak Hill, is going to be a glorious occasion, I hope, for expressing evangelical unity and vision for what we want to do in the Church of England. Yes, we'd love you to be there. The uh, conference... Uh, brochures and book informs will be out very soon. Thank you very much for talking to me. Thanks, Roz. Thanks. Lots to think about there from Paul and Lee. If you've got any questions about this week's episode or indeed anything else, you can let us know by leaving a comment on our Facebook page, tweeting us at Church Society, or you can always email me, Roz at churchsociety.org. Thanks so much for listening and do tune in again next week. Mm-hmm.